0: Took what he learned, recovering from an injury and years in the ring, and created DDP Yoga. It's time, it's Working out
1: combined with the eating habits, it was a huge difference. I felt so much better. It's a
0: lot of fun for me because I never used to be able to be active. Now I'm, I'm, I'm on the floor, I'm rolling around. It's pretty cool. It's more than importantly, I just want to be alive. I'm down about 110 pounds. <laughs> DDP Yoga can work for anyone. Bang!
1: DDP, DDP. Rio.
2: Well, 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 hello, my fellow DDP-Y warriors, it is Wednesday night, it is 9pm, where I currently reside on the 237th floor of the DDP Radio Megaplex in beautiful Raleigh, North Carolina, looking over the city landscape, looking up, clouds, uh, not one in the sky, just a beautiful, windy, breezy day, and if I carry the breeze, and I look beyond the city and beyond the trees and beyond the country. I look up to the great white north, and on the tallest mountaintop and the tallest part of the tallest city in Ontario, I can see a snow-capped mountain, and on that mountain there's a light, <laughs> and that's where my crystal Stewart is shimmering and glimmering and glistening on the top of that mountaintop, and she is with us here tonight. How are you, Crystal? Cold. <laughs> but I'm good, thanks. <laughs> oh. oh, well, that's that sums it up right there. <laughs> yep. Canadian, uh, what's that? The Canadian, like, uh, what do you call them? like a slogan? We all have those on our license plate or something. It's just Canada cold. <laughs> yeah,
0: Tim Hortons to the left, mittens
2: to the right. So yeah, <laughs> <that's> <laughs> just what it is. Oh, oh I love it. And uh, we were off last week. Uh, we, you know, we took a week off. You know, Crystal. Had some stuff going on, and, and uh, to be honest with you, if I was going to tell you about all the stuff I did last week during our uh, our break, I, I could tell you some really crazy stories because it was a week, and I could tell you some stories that I could tell you some stories. It wouldn't be true, but I could make up some really fun things <laughs> that I did while we were off, um, but it basically boils down to uh, Netflix sent me a letter saying that I'd like to see other people, so uh, there are kind of some space <laughs> issues here. Uh, (laughs) Um, but, uh, no, it was, it was a productive week off and then, uh, you know, rest and relaxation. And I think all of us are trying to find our bearing now that this, uh, you know, we're kind of starting to enter the world again. And I know Canada is a different situation right now, but, uh, it it is an adjustment back to the real world. It, It really is. And I wasn't expecting it to, uh, but, um, you know, it's good to have that week off and it's good to touch back in with you, uh, every Wednesday night as we do here on GDP Radio. This has really been a great grounding place during all of this, and uh, it, it's, it's something that I depend on. And we got an incredible inspirational story uh, for our Warrior of the Week this week, and I know, Crystal, you work very hard to uh, bring us uh, some really awesome stories. And you go in deep into the community, you're talking to people, you're, you're feeling out the situations, you're trying to find out who's walking the walk, who's talking the talking, and who is somebody we need to be focusing on and whose story would be valuable for the community. And I hear rumors that you have found us uh, another awesome uh, person to talk to tonight here in the DDPY community. Who's just crushing it.
0: Yeah, actually he's, I can't take credit for, for finding Brian. Brian found me um so i put out the feelers and everybody just wrote in and said you have to talk to him you have to have him on the show so you know part of the reason is his reputation and he's worked really hard through all kinds of you know injuries and and things that would normally set all of us back and i mean in this day and age we we were talking before the show. We all have so much going on. It's really hard to drag yourself up sometimes. So, But Brian is a really, really cool person because he has actually pulled himself out of whatever it is he found himself in. And I can't wait for everybody to hear what I have read. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to talking tonight to
1: Brian Jones.
0: Welcome to the show.
1: Hey, thank you. Thank you. Hey, Mike. Hey, uh, Crystal.
2: Hey. Well, hello. Thank you for uh, coming on with us. Uh, Brian Jones, uh, GDP, uh, Y Warrior of the Week here on DDP Radio, as well as rhythm guitarist for the Rolling Stones. So uh, we appreciate <laughs> you uh, coming on for us tonight. I'm sure I'm not the Absolutely. first person who's, who's made that show.
1: No, 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 no. <laughs> it's, uh, it's always
2: very, very graciously accepted.
1: Very graciously accepted.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, like, like I told you in the in the pre-show, we always like to get to know each other on the air, and uh, we always kind of uh, start off with one question, and then we branch off from there. Because every superhero, every warrior has to have an origin story. What was your circumstances that brought you here to DDPY, and ultimately have this success? that you did? Where was your starting point? Where were you at? And what made you initially take that leap uh, to try out DDPY?
1: Well, it, it almost was... Uh, DDPY has actually become a whole new chapter for me because unfortunately, I mean, even less than a year ago, I thought that I was, I was closing the book on things, you know, even at 52 years of age. Uh, I'll kind of go back a little bit more. And ironically enough, in two days will be the 10 year, uh, I guess, anniversary of uh, my accident, what we call the accident. And oddly enough, it was, I was there in actually right across the border in South Carolina. But during the course of my duties as an insurance adjuster, I fell from a story and a half on 20 feet or so from a roof and instead of oh, falling like normal people and landing on your shoulder or your head or butt i just the ladder kicked out in such a way that i fell straight down so i landed standing up and at that time i, I had never I, I i fitness or whatnot was wasn't a wasn't a priority because i was on the road a lot of time through the year uh, Working I'd go to wherever the storms hit when you see a hurricane where it lands That's where Brian would go And I'd do my insurance claims And uh, so that doesn't lend itself To uh, the most healthiest of lifestyles There's a lot of time in hotel rooms There's a lot of beverages maybe that shouldn't be drank There's a lot of food that shouldn't be eaten But uh, one of the things that you know we find And I'll speak particularly, you know, as men and even married men that really it's tough. We sometimes have it tough when we have to exist without our wives telling us what jerks we're being. And so when I'm not, you know, it's easy as an insurance adjuster to fall into bad patterns, to fall into bad patterns from a health standpoint. So I had my accident. I fell and and fell standing up. So at that time I was – I was well over 300 pounds easily. I think I was at about 320, 325 then. So when I landed, I landed in a standing position, and both legs broke instantly. They're called T-line fractures. They're called t fractures. So if you imagine, you know, like most of the time you think about breaks, you imagine taking a piece of spaghetti and just, parallel and, you know, snapping it in half. My break's if you would hold the spaghetti, you know, one end in one hand, one end in the other, and push, compress. And what that is is the talus bone in, the, in my feet, just below the tibias and the fibula, gets got pushed up with such extreme force into my tibia, it breaks both bones near the joints. You see them a lot in car accidents. Usually it's just one leg or the other because, you know, at 70, 80 miles an hour in a head-on collision, usually either pressing the gas or the brake, and when the engine block comes through, boom, it's it's usually one. Well, I had two of them, and uh, so I hit the ground, and it and fell, and laid there for a moment, and it was kind of surreal, because I, 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 I didn't know, at that time, I thought I'd actually, I knew something was wrong, because I immediately got really, really cold, and I thought I'd broken my back. And the only thing I could think of at the time was, you know, had a bunch of little babies, six kids at home. Summer, we, you know, we were self-employed. We were our own business. And she stayed. She held down the fort and wrote, the, wrote our claims and stuff. She would stay in Lexington, and I'd travel the country doing, doing what we did. And the only thing I could think of laying there was I didn't want someone It was the day before Easter, I think. I didn't want somebody calling her and telling her news like that. So even if I had to fight to stay awake, fortunately, that was back when Nextel and blackberries were still popular. And I just by chance had a blackberry, my blackberry in my pocket, and laying there, I called her. Well, by, during this time, you know, the homeowner had already come out and saw what had happened. And my legs were in a pretty bad state, so he ran back inside and called 911. So I guess ambulance were en route. And so I called Summer. I said, honey, I've had an accident. And she was like, damn it. Because she thought he was talking about, like, maybe rear-ending somebody. What happened, you know, as far as with the truck? I said, no, no, no. i, I I've taken a little spill. Um, they're gonna. I think they're going to just have me go to the hospital real quick. But I just wanted to let you know. And then, I at that stage, I don't. I can't even remember if I finished the conversation. I think I started going out, and the homeowner took the phone and summer then talked to him. Um, so to make I guess a really long story, hopefully not so long. I was rushed to Charlotte, and I ended up staying in the ICU in Charlotte for 12 days.
2: Um, one leg.
1: One leg was in, I think, nine pieces. The ends, the ends of the tibia, where you know at the end of that bone, you always see the big, the big, clubby looking one. The end of that one was, I think, in nine pieces, and, and and the left, and I think the right was eleven pieces. And you know, in Charlotte, and there was such severe soft tissue damage. My legs were swollen up, like these large rolls of carpet almost they couldn't do anything from a restoration or even think about fixing the bones until they stabilized them and got all the soft tissue to 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 um you know reduce its swelling so what they did was I regained consciousness when I made it to the hospital I was laying in my in the bed in the emergency room. and I still had that phone, and I don't from here from there. I what I'm getting ready to say. I mostly remember, I remember bits and pieces, but a lot. Ironically enough, and this was back before people really was doing the selfie stuff. But I guess because I was on the road so much, I just kind of went in autopilot. So I started taking pictures you know, I I guess in my mind thinking, hey, I have to document this so summer and the kids can see, you know, I didn't realize, I guess, maybe at the time how severe it was. I don't know. So oddly enough, I have pictures of myself, you know, 20, 30, 20 minutes, 30 minutes after the accident. And, you know, I think there's one of a selfie and I took a picture of my arm that was pretty decently damaged because I tried to tack to stop myself with a gutter, you know, as I fell on the gutter. And uh, so I remember waking up and I took a picture, like a selfie, and I took a picture of my legs that were that were bumps that weren't supposed to be there and there were angles that weren't supposed to be there. And then I remember closing my eyes. And then the next thing I know, when I woke up, I looked back down, and it was I thought I had just dozed off, but I, I looked down. And I had these like Frankenstein things coming out of both my legs. And there was shoelid and blood and the sheets were stained. And I think I went out again. But the next thing I knew, I woke up again. And summer was there. She said, she said, it's going to be all right, honey. So we went, we went for it. So they said that, you know, you're not, there's not a whole lot more we can do for you after 12 days. So it kind of packed me up and I came back home to Lexington. Fortunately enough, whatever you believe in, Providence, God, nature, fate, the universe, fortunately, and ironically enough, the University of Kentucky sports medicine clinic was there and, they have one of the leading top orthopedic surgeon specialists to, that specializes in these in these kinds of injuries, p lung fractures, Eric Mogadamian. So we went, you know, like I made it back home. Of course, I was completely wheelchair-bound, infirm uh, the next day or so. They had an appointment set for me, and there's a picture. Some may have seen it, some not. There's a picture of me in the wheelchair with, my Kentucky sweatshirt and red Kentucky hat and these things coming out of my le- I mean, blue Kentucky hip and these external fixators coming out of my legs. But I got a big smile on my face and everybody thinks, man, what a strong guy. And I thought it was, it wasn't so much that. It was like, I knew that this doctor was so awesome that I, you know, it was going to work out fine. No it it went a little bit of a different direction. So I had to, you know, when you're as big as I am, and then you add a wheelchair and you add you can't bend legs, we couldn't just go out into our car. So you had to wait until we used a service. That was the wheels or something, I think, via the Red Cross or whatnot. And um, they came and picked me up and took Summer and I to the appointment. And... The doctor came in, and they took the X-rays. And he walked in, smiled, Mister Jones, Miss Jones. All right, let's sit for a minute and talk. So he's looking at the X-rays. He said, "And no, these are severe." He said, "These are severe." He said, "Most likely, you'll never walk unassisted again. Uh, if, depending upon how the surgeries go, we may be able to get you." up and moving around eventually with a locker but there's a good chance that you'll be in a wheelchair and i turned and looked at summer right. and again she just gave me a nod I said it's okay and we went on you know we went on and over a period of the next couple of weeks uh they scheduled surgeries they took the external fixators out put internal hardware in my legs it's going to be in there forever to hold them together, and sent me on my way. It said you got to, you'll have you know we're going to schedule twelve physical therapy sessions, and best of luck to you. So I went home, started the physical therapy sessions and whatnot, and that was it. So one day after a couple of weeks, I'm laying in bed laying there in my hospital bed. We had to widen doorways. My, father, my father-in-law my father and uh, my next door na- 86-year-old next-door neighbor built the handicapped ramp that was going to be on our house for the rest of my life, and everybody went back to normal except inside the Jones household. Our sunroom wasn't our sunroom anymore. It was where Dad slept and Dad lived. And I had a hospital bed in there, and eventually, you know, kids adapt. At the time, we had all six of them were in the house. I think ranging in age from 15 down to four. At the time, you know Jackson was, I believe, five. Kira, our youngest, our little baby girl, four years old. So they got they got normal. I mean, normal to the point where, you know, they just climb around on me and whatnot. So one day. I was laying in bed, and Kira was, was having, like, a little play date or something with, one with, ironically enough, one of my best friends' little daughters who actually lived. We had adjacent yards, went to college together, and now, you know, we're, we're raising our families together. Well, his daughter, him, her, and Kira were playing on me, and her, his daughter asked, Kira said, why doesn't your daddy ever walk? And Kira said, he doesn't know. He doesn't know how to. He lays down. And it just hit me so bad. I thought, I can't, I can't do this. I can't do this to the kids. I can't do this to summer. And I decided then that it was done. I was gonna, I was gonna take the take a different way out because I thought I couldn't do this time. So I started, uh, so I started stockpiling pain medicine. And man, that's one thing. If nothing else. You can get pain medicine in this country. And it's really easy when you have nothing else and you can't move. And I actually even was controlling at times. I was controlling even dosage, you know. So that I started pocketing, and, you know, I'd be taking the meds, but then take them out and hide them under the bed. Or there was a place in the windowsill I could keep them, and I had decided that was I was going to take a different way out. And I saved saved those up for, I think it was a week or two, and the night came that I was going to do it, and everything was going as normal, we were shutting down, the house was going to sleep for the night, the kids were back in their rooms, and I was laying there listening, knowing that it was the last time I was going to hear them. And Summer went about the business of shutting down the house, and... My sunroom, the sunroom, my room now was straight back. If you come in off, would, would come in our front door, you'd go through our large living room, a large kitchen, and then on into the back, of this big room. That's where I was. Well, I, you know, after so being in a place and routine, you know noises and sounds. And so summer, the kids were in their room, settling down, and summer was pulling drapes and stuff. And I could hear her way out in the front of the house. And I was holding those pills in my hand, shaking, knowing that. I didn't know whether I was going to, how was I going to look? How would I hug her? Should I kiss her? I can't look at her too much because she's going to know something's up. And the pills, I was gripping them so hard and sweating. So I said, actually started disintegrating in my hand. And I heard like the doorbell and a knock and the sound of a door opening and a man's voice. And it just jarred me. And I was like, what in the world? Because it was like nine o'clock at night. And... I hear some. I hear summer coming through the door, coming through the house with obviously somebody walking behind her, and she kind of walked in the room with a big smile. And here comes this giant, this fella, who he was an adjuster that had worked for us off and on at times. We never were really close. He had never been to our house before. Uh, I mean, I'd never spoken to him personally, even on the phone. But he had been deployed, meaning like he had been away. He was from Ohio, and he had been deployed to the Gulf working. I don't know if it was one of the larger hurricanes, and he had been down there several months. But through the adjuster grapevine, he had heard about what had happened to me, and for whatever reason, somehow because he and Summer claims that we would send to him, he and Summer would work together on, and he'd submit him to her. So he and Summer knew each other to a degree. So I got one way or another, this guy decided, even though he hadn't seen his family in months. He was only a couple hours away from him. he decided to pull off and come, just to stop at our place, to just say hello and check to see how I was. And something about that just jarred, immediately jarred me out of it and flipped the whole switch. And I was thinking, "What in the, What in the world are you thinking? If this guy, if this guy can see enough value and worth in you? In your life to stop. What in the world do you think you're going to do to your family if you do this, Brian? So, I I, I dropped them. I got rid of them, and and I didn't do it. Wow. We went on. Wow. I ended up. Yeah, I I ended up ultimately. Ended up having to have I think initially eight surgeries, and I was completely infirm, bedridden, for. April, May, June, July, August. It was around July, end of July. I was supposed to finally, after all these surgeries, I was supposed to finally get permission to even stand. And I think I was two days away from that appointment. And that morning, I got up and I knew immediately something was going on with my left leg because it was hot and it was red. So, I mean, and it got to the point where we went to the went to the emergency room and immediately they admitted me and my fever went up. I had, I developed a staph infection and on the, yeah, on the hardware though. And this is the really weird thing. And I'm not, you know, I'm not a physician, so I may not explain this exactly right, but it's really bizarre because if you have an infection in your body, you know, your white blood cells identify it and rush to it and try to fight it but when you it, but when you have hardware that isn't naturally part of your body that infection can still lay on that hardware but your white blood your your body doesn't recognize it as far as it doesn't know where to go to find it so it kind of almost starts fighting against its, itself so it had gotten to the point they treated it heavy with antibiotics for i think 2 days no luck so then the next 3 or 4 days they opened open my leg would go in and clean the hardware close it they then would test the next morning nope it didn't take day after that they'd reopen it again so it was like i think two possibly three surgeries within this about the same amount of days on trying to clean it and it got to the point where that third or fourth that second that last time I was in that laying there in the, in the hospital bed, and the, I remember that both that our two youngest kids were there. Summer was there, and the doctor came in, and then he brought in this infectious disease guy, and that physician said, look, we've tried everything. He said, we're going to try to dose it heavy with antibiotics for the next 24 hours, but if we don't see a change in these numbers by tomorrow, we're going to have to take it. We're going to have to take it off of the knee. And that's, that's silence right there that we just heard. That's what the hospital room was like. So we went on about things, and they—they they really, I mean, bless them at the University of Kentucky Medical Center, bless their hearts. They—they did everything they could, and we got it under control. Eventually, what they had to do was they put me on this pick line thing, which is they put a hole like in my under my bicep, and then they ran this big hose or into my mm-hmm. my larger veins, and then ran it right into my heart. And I had almost like a St. Bernard. I carried this pack around on my neck that had this pump. Wow, 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 It was constantly pumping antibiotics. But the biggest thing that was just so disheartening to me was that I wasn't going to be able to walk. I wasn't going to be able to stand up again. I just got pushed right back into the friggin' bed and on my back and, And slapped and knocked down. It was just so, just so frustrating. But what was I going to do? You can't quit. They told me I couldn't put any weight on it. So one day laying there, I thought, you know what? Ash it. If I can't walk, I can crawl. They didn't say shit about that. So I asked Homer, "Honey, we run up, run up to Home Depot and get me some of those hard shell knee pads." and a big pair of work gloves. Now, I, by this time, I had been in the, in a bed for several months. I had atrophy. My weight now is probably up around consistently between 340, 360, because when you have a, a wife that's from the South and you have a mother-in-law that's from the South that love you with everything, and they can't do anything but see you there, so what do they do? They cook. They cook everything out of love soap and i ate <laughs> and i ate for them so you know i despite not being able to do was still you know putting on a weight so i started crawling and initially summer wasn't real thrilled about it i actually had to hi- i had to hide it and i mean even my stamina i could for a week or so the workout was even trying to slide even out of the bed just the act of trying to keep myself from falling completely out would wind me and then I'd pull myself back up and lay there and you know this entire time I couldn't you know to kind of give you an idea of where the rest of this my, my condition was is I, I couldn't go to the bathroom myself I couldn't clean myself so all of that was being done by summer in that bed And but through that even though as much as I've, I've been, from the moment I've met her, how much, I, mean, I just I fell in love with her. You know, you never know. If you ever have a problem of determining whether you have self-worth or not, if you're ever at your lowest and you have nothing, or at least think you have nothing to offer anybody, if there's someone in your life that will clean you, wash you, feed you, And look at you with such unconditional love. That's something that puts a sense of worth in you that you can't get anywhere else. And that just lit a fire in me. So I started crawling. And eventually I was crawling out to the living room and then the kitchen. And next thing you know, I was out the door, down the ramp. And it was common for, you know, the, the neighbors to see me walk, you know, crawling up and down the street, and I'd wave as they'd go to work as they'd be coming back. So, uh, it eventually got to the point, I'm, I'm getting, I, I need to, to speed this up, I apologize. So, it got to the point where I was up. I did finally get to where I could stand and toddle around. I was using a walker and everything, but I was big and heavy, and I thought, you know, i got to lose some weight. So, I started going to the YMCA, the local YMCA, and I was using one of those deals, you know, you sit on and it's kind of like a bicycle, but your feet are on the pedals and you got these handles and you kind of, uh, 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 uh. it's usually the older folks that are sitting on them and there's like a row of them. Well, it was all the older folks and and it really was. I'm not making these names up. It was Marge, Hank, Jerry, me, and then Greta all down through there. Now, all of them were over 70 and then there was me. So I was the youngster of the bunch and we'd sit there and I knew where the bingo games were that night and. I knew how politics were and how it affected senior citizens, and I lost a little bit of weight. And I could – what I would do was I was able to take my walker to my truck. I'd throw the walker into the back, get in, drive to the YMCA, get the walker out, go inside. Now, all of that part took three times the amount of time I could stay on, the, on that bicycle thing. But eventually it started because, you know, any activity is going to change, no, you know, no activity. So I kept doing that, and I was seeing some success, and then fate stepped in. One day I was getting ready to get on that bike and my iPad dropped and I couldn't bend down exactly right to pick it up. So I kind of squatted down and the hardware in my legs shifted in this constant ice pick pain that I had always had. It was gone. It was the first time it was gone ever and since the things were in my legs. And I stood back up and it just clicked like a light. And I looked over and I see these guys. I had never lifted weights. I mean, I was a farm. I, I was farm boy strong. I threw hay. We, I mean, hell, what was the point of going to a weight room? You got, there's plenty of work to be done. Mm-hmm. That's your, that's, done your that's your weight room. Yeah. That's your weight room. So yep. I see these fellas, these fellas in this rack and in this rack squatting up and down, like I was starting, or like I was the one. So I looked, started researching the internet and asking questions about anybody having injuries. The next thing I know, a gentleman by the name of Mark Ripetow, uh, very well-known, internationally known, strength coach, Uh, was right there with Glassman at the Origins of CrossFit, Uh, just an amazing, amazing visionary. And, man, he, this guy out of Texas who's trained Olympic athletes, strong men, calls me. And I didn't even realize it was him calling me for the first couple days. I thought it was an adjuster or something trying to get a hold of me. And, I was never able to kind of catch up with him, and the fellow wasn't leaving a message, so I thought, well, let's not be too important, until finally he left a message, and he said, Brian, this is Mark Ripito. Answer your damn phone, and I couldn't believe it. I mean, one, it's Mark Ripito, and he's calling me. Well, he called, and sure enough, he said, look, I saw your question on our forums, and he said, what, what doctors tell you is bullshit. I think if you'll listen to me, if you'll let me train you, I'll send you all the stuff. I'll be I'm 100%. At your disposal, I think if you'll squat, I can get you strong and you'll walk again. And, they, and from there, it just set something in motion. I started. I started training. I did exactly what Rip said. And sure enough, I started getting stronger and stronger. And eventually, I got to the point that by, I think by, eight, that was April of 2012. So I started training. And I was using the starting strength method, which is nothing more than three times a a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or Sunday, Tuesday, uh, Thursday. Regular, your simple lifts, your bench, your deadlift, your squat, your press, and power clean, or there's other alternates depending upon your situation. Sets of five, three sets of five, three times a week. And I went from not even being able to lift my... Little four year old daughter from the floor because I was so weak to eventually by two months, like I said, two uh, in 2012, uh, April of 2012, I started starting strength by April, by June of 2012, two months later. By that time, I mean, the starting strength community had rallied around me and I had. I had actually had a gym now at my house. I had a squat rack, a platform, and I was training there. And one morning I went down and started my routine, and I felt this pain in in, the, in one of the legs. And I reached down, and I felt, and I got poked, went upstairs, and I said, honey, feel this, something's wrong. And it was like this hard, so we went to the, I went to the doctor. They did x-rays, and they showed me these x-rays. and said, we have never seen anything like this. He said, your bone, your bone has, the, the leg is healed back, but not only is it healed back, it's grown in density and size. And this, what you're feeling, is it's pushed the pins and screws back out of the Whoa, of your bone, wow. and it's coming it's coming back out of your body. He says we need to have it taken out. So I went into surgery. So one month later, and uh, one month later, there they did the first operation on the left leg and they took the the hardware that was supposed to be in there forever. In less than 13 months, I had trained it and it was out of my body, gone. So you best damn well be sure that this other, if I, once I knew that I could do that, that other one, I mean, it didn't stand a chance. So I doubled down and it was seven, uh, four months later, I guess it was November of 2012. Now they, I had to have a surgery because the pins and screws and the hardware was warped and was coming out the skin the, the other leg, so they removed it, removed it from the from the that leg. Now by so a year and what six seven months after my accident that I was supposed to have hardware in my legs forever was supposed to be disabled, never walk unassisted. I now have no hardware. I'm walking. I'm training uh, with with barbell weight. A year later, May of 2013, now my accident was April of 2011, so two years later, competed in my first powerlifting meet. I deadlifted 505 pounds, just my deadlift, and I ended up codaling almost totally in 1100 pounds winning both my divisions and we just went from it there you know I I mean uh, and then life just continued on so I kept training 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 and over the years uh I was I had the opportunity to talk about you know talk about things that that happened and I've met a lot of people and everything and, and really got involved with the starting strength organization so much so that, you know, I even, it extrapolated that out to a little side project called the barbell guy complete with website and all that stuff. And it's, it's actually still out there, which you can look at, but I don't really, I mean, I still go to it at times, but that was a different time. Now I, I've, I'm, I have found a different lines of DDPY. Yeah, so, but if anybody's at least been interested, I think it's was www.thebarbellguy.com. So I even had that just as a means to try to give people a chance to contact me. I, didn't, I never charged for any kind of training, coaching services, nothing. I trained people for free. Uh, I consulted with people for free. And that reason being is that I could, I, I if it would have just been me, or if everybody around me would have been defeatist, or if Mark Ripito didn't exist, or if Summer wasn't the woman she was, or if my mother-in-law and father-in-law weren't as supportive as they were, or if my family and my friends weren't as supportive, I would have never gotten out of that bed. And the thing that broke, broke my heart then and breaks my heart now is to know that there's so many other Brian Joneses out there that don't have a Summer, you know, that don't have a Mark Ripito. I mean, even now. In two days, it'll be ten years. Even now, whether I'm at a stop sign or a red light, I'll find myself wait while I'm waiting, look over, and inevitably, if I see a house like with a curt, like with curtains, the first thing that comes to my mind is wondering if there's a Brian Jones back there looking out, watching life go by. And so I dedicated that I wanted to, I wanted to be if just me, that one person that voice that said, look, I know they told you you can't. I know they told you your head's too messed up. I know they told you you're too fat. You're too slow. You're too old. You're too sick. You're too broken. True. Just like the scale, it's, it can be a lie. It's one of the few lies that you can control, that you can change. Now, what I'm getting ready to say, it, I, I want to make sure that I'm very clear that I love starting strength. I love Mark Ribiteau. Mark and I ended up not only did, was he my savior, he became a very close, dear friend. Summer loves him. She, he helped give her heart me back to him to rebuild me. However, as hard as I tried, it takes a special breed to, to sling barbells consistently, purpose. And, you know, I started finding that while starting strength and barbell training were critical for me to build the foundation that I needed that in most instances, the barbell community, whether it be powerlifting or bodybuilding, aren't re- weren't really the people that I think needed my help. I mean, you have to have a certain bit. And I'm talking myself included. You have to have a little bit of vanity and self-interest to to uh, abuse yourself like that day in, day out, to try to improve yourself. So I, I ended kind of get I, I I started finding that you know I don't you know this isn't it. This isn't where the people are. And I really started kind of getting bummed out about it. So for the first time, I thought. This is now, I fast forward, I'm kind of fast forward, Now I fast forward to just last year. Now, nine years after the accident, I'd never, other than the initial x-rays, I'd never had anything done. I didn't know what was going on in there. Now, you know, the doctors way back then had told me I wasn't ever going to walk again. And they said eventually, you know, the rheumatoid arthritis, calcification, all that, is going to be so bad that you're not even going to be able to stand the pain. Yes, uh, even now, every day I mean, I, I have constant pain. Our bodies. It's funny. I think our our bodies kind of kind of have a pain tachometer. You know, the stronger the, the the more pain you felt down at any given time. Once it hits that, it's almost like unless you go past that, you know you can live with it, even though it hurts. It's irritating. It affects every aspect of your life. You just learn to deal with it. So I thought, you know what, I want to see what's going on with these legs. So last summer, you know, I went and for the first time had x-rays done. And, again, it was, you know, I bebopped in because, damn, I'd been doing so well. Look at me, winning powerlifting meets, whatnot. I was fat. I was huge. But I was strong as an ox. And I went in and you talk about a, a balloon getting busted again. they 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 did the x rays and like, you know, here my old buddy Eric Mogadamia comes in. Which ironically enough, you talk about coincidence. My best friend who I've referenced earlier, his name's Lamont, Lamont Nolan. We were best friends when we were in college. We made it a point, we lived together, you know, as roommates. We made it a point to buy our homes backyard to backyard. We were that close. My best friend, his soccer coach in high school, was Eric Mogadamian's father. My best friend knew this this the, 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 were almost world renowned surgeon. My best friend was friends with my best was with this surgeon. Of all the doctors that could be cutting up on cutting me, fixing me, to have that such a such a close connection, it just it gave me hope. So I went in, and saw Eric. And it's almost a replay of the first time he came in with the X-rays. Now, this time, Summer wasn't with me. I didn't meet her. I mean, not for that. I mean, she had better things to do than listen to how great I had, I had done, because I tell her that almost every day. But so I'm sitting there, and Eric comes in. He says, I don't understand. He says, I don't get it. You shouldn't be walking. And I said, why is that? I thought he was going to say, well, you know, like because of the action he says, you know, here, look at these X-rays. And I think I'll explain this correctly. I guess we all have like synovial gaps and synovial fluid, and that kind of, you know, greases the joints and whatnot and make sure that you don't have gravel versus, versus gravel. Well, on both legs, I don't have those. The ends of my legs are right up against the bones of my foot. And so every time I walk, every time I take a step, it's like, for example, one of these, every single time, Every single time without fail that I do broken table, when I have to, you know, steady with my right foot, it pops out of it, – it, it comes out of socket. Now, when I first started BDP, it came out – it hurt enough that, I mean, I'd – I mean, Summer would hear me yelling, but I wouldn't give up. I would – I refused to, to, to quit. I just would keep slinging my leg. You know how, how Dallas will say, you know, kind of shake it out on other stuff? Well, I would just keep doing that, and it would it hurts so, us so bad, but eventually, sometimes it would pop back into place the first time, maybe the second time, and it would take a couple times. I mean it, you know, that was the state that these legs were that, that the legs were in, but you know, I just kept on. So I came home that evening, and he said, "You know it's not going to get any better." I mean, it, it's not. He says, I, I, I'm at a loss. I'm at a loss. I don't know how you're even moving the way you are. And instead, I came home. I told Summer, and I became depressed. I just decided I was going to sit in this recliner because, I mean, why have I been doing this for the last 10 years? And damned if I didn't sit there in and, and less than 24 hours after I sat down. I was spooling through Facebook and – a video stopped, and I stopped that video, and it was text, you know, in kind of this flow, kind of music was playing. Doctors told him he'd never walk again, blah, blah, blah. He would, he'd proved them wrong. And I thought, I said to myself, shit, someone else, I thought somebody else was, once again, it was a video somebody done about, had done about me because I was able to do podcasts and different kinds of things and give talks all over the, you know, the last decade. I thought it was something somebody had done for me, done of me. And I was, it kind of was like, how ironic is this? But then I was like, I saw this person running. And as it got closer to this, to the camera, it was this wild Asian cat coming at the, at the camera. And right before <laughs> he gets to the camera, it freezes. And there's this brother had this look. Cause I remembered when I had that look and I had that mugger. I said, what is this? And I watched it. Sure enough, just like everybody, I bet you right now, everybody was saying, Arthur, because that's what it yep. was. It was Arthur. And that that day, that evening I found DBT. why? started the next day, and now I'm talking to you guys. Now I'm talking to you guys. Uh, I started, I was checking it out today. From the time I started at my highest, at my highest, I was – well, I, I can't tell you exactly. I I wouldn't I stopped stepping on the scale when I saw 371 one day. But I know in some of my pictures I'm even higher than that. Um so I know I've lost I'm well I've lost well over 100 pounds, but I only kind of count when I started uh DDPY, I think I was at 325, but I put in 315 and I figured, well, look you're a sucker for not paying attention. So I started at 325, but in the app 315, and I get today I'm I weighed in at 364 or 365 today. So I've lost over 100 pounds. I was never able to even with weightlifting. Here's the ironic thing: I ultimately ended up being able. Uh, my best deadlift was well over 600 pounds. Was over 600 pounds. I could deadlift 600 pounds. I could squat over 400 pounds press two hundred and some plus pounds over my head. But I couldn't even take a clothes basket and carry it up or downstairs because of just the nature of the injury. So I had very limited, no not very limited strength. A lot of strength, but I could only use it a certain way. I was since I've never I hadn't the time of my accident I'd never danced. From the time since my accident in two thousand eleven I'd never been on my tiptoes. I was never able to walk upstairs, downstairs nothing i now purposely after what all of you guys have given me what what the program has given me i can now get on my tiptoes all the way down in our basement walk up the basement stairs on tiptoes without without dropping walk around to the next stairs walk up to the first floor on around up to the second floor all on my tiptoes turn around back down i can jump i can dance i can do anything wow stuff I'd never thought I was going to be able to do. And as the more weight came, came off, the more I could do, the more confident I was. And I thought this was it. And then the thing that just changed, revolutionized my life, changed my life was I found the DDPY community, the Facebook community. And it was like a light came on. This is it. These are my people. These are the folks that are going to help me. And I know there's folks out there that I can help. And that's why, you know, that's, how it started. That's how I've kind of jumped in. And, you know, uh you know, at one point I was involved with the Positively Unstoppable Challenge, but just for one reason or another, you know, one reason or another, I just kind of backed out of that because I enjoy watching what I, I like seeing other uh, seeing everybody else, their journey and being a part of helping folks. I've met absolutely some of the best people ever I've ever met and. I know here I've rambled on, hardly even talked about probably any of this stuff. I'm to, I'll tell you what, I'll stop. If you want to ask a question, you guys take over. I, I'm sorry for going on so long. <laughs> well,
2: this, this this might be the only show we've ever had where I've actually been speechless. That's uh, and 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 thankfully so. I am so inspired by your story, and actually, it kind of feels weird that you're telling me this because I feel like I should be at like a movie theater and watching the story unfold. Uh, and, and first of all. That's one thing, but also I want to say is you tell that Alice so eloquently and with such uh, you know uh, detail that you know I I found myself becoming an, an, an audience member on the show that I host, and I think that that story right there you have such polished and so nicely spoken, I think if you just went places and told that you could change lives, and I think people who who are hopeless. And, and struggling, and, and have been told that you know this is the best you can do, or this is how good it's going to get. I think if you went to a hospital, or if you went to a rehab center, and told people that story, just like you did here today, I think that would incredibly uh, inspire so many people. Uh, I was I'm breathless. I'm, I'm I'm speechless, and that's a very rare thing to happen around here. Ask my wife. <laughs> <laughs> No, and, thank, and thank we are, you. I appreciate. It. I can't believe it. We're almost out of time, but I want to have you back, and and, and I'm going to have Crystal. We're going to set something up because uh, I love that story, but I want to hear more, and I want to, uh, you know, uh, go into more detail in it because we only have an hour here, and I feel like uh, there's so much more to tell, and there's so much, you know, to scratch uh, off the surface. But, you know, I, I when you first started talking to me, you know, talking on the on the show and explaining things, I found it. It kind of wrapped up everything in what you did. You were an insurance adjuster. You went to places and you walked through the rubble of people's lives, and you decided: is this worth condemning, or worth saving and rebuilding? And you're sitting in the hospital bed, and I, the only thing I could think about is is where you were when it started. You're walking. You're laying in the wreckage of, of what was your life that you knew, and in that moment, it seemed like the only possible. You know, solution is to, to to tear it down. You know, sort <laughs> of loss. Um, yeah. And yeah. you didn't. You decided to rebuild. And I think that's such a great analogy for your story. You know, being an insurance adjuster, in the wreckage of your life, it would have been pretty easy just to sweep up and, you know, uh, you know, uh, just
1: tear it all wow, down. That's and very, yeah. You that's didn't. very insightful, Mike. That's very insightful. You know, and it's funny. You know, and, and I would like to say this because so often we see these pictures, and you know, you see Brian before fat Brian, and then you see as not as fat Brian. You know, you see fat Justin Dobbins and not as fat Justin Dobbins, and I'm not going to point anybody else out. I can do that to Justin because he's got he's got thick enough skin, and you know, he doesn't get quite enough attention as it is. But what ends what ends up, you know, happening is that. It's easy to, it's easy to second guess, and it's easy to. Anyway, anyway go ahead. I'll end up. I never mind. I'll end up going too far off. I just want to thank. I'd be I, I, your analogy, is on point, Mike, and I appreciate that. But where I'm going with it is that. There's more, you know, I was actually, I had the opportunity after giving one talk in, at Wichita Falls Athletic Club for the Starting Strength Coaches Conference opportunities came up even to the point where I was offered a re- TED, a, you know, a possibility of a regional TED talk, and then, you know, moving on forward to that. And, of course, you know, I'd, yeah, yeah, I'd love to, I'd love to. And then other people guys would say, hey, well, why don't you come to Pittsburgh? We'll pay for you to come talk to my gym or talk to – I'm also a professor here. And every one of them, yeah, yeah, when I get back to Kentucky, I'll tell you, none of them knowing, and this is what I'm wanting to, to say, is that it's easy to see Fat Brian, it's easy to see Fat Justin, and then Skinny Brian. Even though I was telling them, yeah, I'll do that, what nobody knew was that I was crippled, crippled with anxiety and PTSD being away from summer. I couldn't because the last time I had left, I came back in such bad shape for her. And then (laughs) so it was all I could do to go. I owed Rip that much to go give that talk, and I did it. But all the other things that I could have done because of the mental aspect of it, I was isolated. And all I could do was just keep running back to her. So it took – one thing that I want to make sure people understand is that you can't really – sometimes you can't take a before and after picture when it's taking place in your heart or in your head. And those two places are as important, if not more important, been seeing that my gut, you know, my gut's instead of 52, it's now 38. And I just want to give so much respect and love to all my brothers and sisters out there who are fighting that battle, who are fighting that battle, as well as those of us who are carrying around extra weight, complete props and love. And know, know every single one of you guys, if you ever have any kind of thoughts of harming yourselves, if you can't get someone right then if you if you can't get me call the national suicide prevention hotline anything. just please one time, if you think about it one time, just don't do it. Just give us one chance to try to fix it. That's the kind of thing you don't see in a before and after picture.
2: That's so beautiful you, uh said and, and you know, I think the the after picture implies that, you know, this is a final spot, you know, the fight continues right. and, and I, and I can see you're still waging a war. but despite all your success, you're still having, uh, you know, part of that still, uh, affect you. And it probably yep. will for the rest of your life, but it doesn't mean you, you know, yes, sir. you yep. work hard at it. Anything is worth, you know, working for. And can I just give props to your wife? I don't know what she looks like. I don't know who she is. I don't know what her name is besides summer, but she seems like the most beautiful, uh, soul, on the planet. So way props to her. We appreciate everything she has done for you, as I'm sure you uh, obviously are. Yeah, yeah. She's all, all right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but no, I'd love <laughs> to have you come back here.
1: Absolutely.
2: And, and, At a drop of a hat. With us At again. a drop of a hat. Yes, sir. Uh, yes, I'd love to. Uh, uh, we're getting the 90 seconds uh, countdown. That was incredible. I, I appreciate it. And I think that's the record for me being speechless. I've said that before. Uh, and I, I can't even – I don't even know how to wrap this up because I can't do it any justice. What a beautiful story. What an amazing story. Uh, tragic story, but hopeful. And I don't call it a victory. I think hopeful is a better word because there's no, you know, winning. But as long as you have hope, there's another reason to fight another day. And I think that's beautiful. And I appreciate you sharing that with with all of us. Absolutely. Thank you. Oh, thank mm-hmm. you. And we always end this uh, this show with uh, Crystal gives us a little bit of inspiration and, and, and a good quote to kind of send us off into good into the week. with we something we can put into our lives. And, uh, Crystal, you got to come up with something good tonight. Yep. That was a good story. We need a good quote here to send us off.
0: Yep, absolutely. So the quote tonight, I don't know who wrote it, but the quote is, an old man said, erasers are made for those who make mistakes. The youth replied, "The races are made for those who are willing to correct their mistakes. Your attitude matters. Make sure it's worth it."
2: I appreciate. Yeah. it. I love it. That's that's. That's awesome. Thank you so much for coming on, man. We really appreciate it. I look forward to having you on again, and uh, you're going to change a lot of lives. And even if it's not in the physical, giving speeches and stuff, just being a part of this community and being there for so many people who are, who are struggling and, and, and looking for that uh, spark of hope, uh, you're going to be a real great uh, asset to this uh, community, and I appreciate it. Thank wow. you so much for coming on, wow. man. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank, Thank you, Brian. You, Thank you both so much.
2: All right, man. Uh, Before we go, do you have any websites or Facebook you want to plug before where people can find you or anything?
1: Nah. Nah.
2: If anything, I'd just love to say, uh,
1: you know, real quick, (laughs) as as far as I can, I just want to tell everybody I love Lou, Kat, Candy, Stacy, Tiffany, Cassidy, JD, all of you guys, Travis, Tom, Ryan, Boz, Craig, Will, I know there's more I mean there's so many of you that uh, Chris Jones, Kyle Stance, keep fighting. All of you guys, I love you. Holler at me and have a great evening and a, and a great life and you'll see you know you're going to see me tomorrow morning right back there on the Facebook page. Holler at me.
2: I love it. Awesome. Beautiful. Thank you guys so much. We'll see you soon. Thank you. Today, that was a great workout, man. The powerbomb set up by Paige. Oh! diamond cutter! I don't believe it! Wow. Diamond cutter out of the powerbomb! We're going
0: home. You've been listening to DDP Radio. Tune in again next week for another edition of DDP Radio with more great guests, inspiration, and news from Diamond Dallas Page and Team DDP Yoga. Keep up all the great work, and most importantly, own your
2: life. Mm-hmm. Talk Radio.